What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tassib is your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tassib is your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, then reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with someone and talk about the crazy old days. Most weeks, I'll be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City via China, Ben Frank. Ah. What's up, man? Ah, not, not much. I'm happy to happy to be here. This is, this, is, this is fun. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Before we get too far into anything, plug everything up front. Instagram, social media, any shows you have coming out, this will come out on uh, Monday for everybody. So let everybody know. Okay. Uh, yeah. My Instagram and uh, Twitter and, and uh, Facebook and everything is Ben Frank Comedy. Ben Frank Comedy. So you can follow me on that stuff. I got a bunch of bunch of reels coming up. Uh, let's see. For Monday shows, I guess. Uh, yeah, you can can regularly catch me. I'm at I'm pretty often at the at the Grizzly Pear, New York Comedy Club, Comedy Beautiful. Shop, St. Mark's Comedy Club. So my man's out here working. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just follow me on the socials, and uh, I'll uh, tell you tell you where I'm at. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've been trying to get you on now for a little while. We've been talking about this. Uh, we go to some of the same open mics and stuff, and we were talking about it. You have a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, you do talk about it on stage uh, a little bit, but uh, you lived in China for seven years. Yeah, seven seven years from uh, 2014 to 2021. And what took you to China? So I originally started studying Chinese in college, and I studied abroad in Beijing my junior year. And then a couple years after college, I uh, I found a job working for a real estate developer in Shanghai, and that was like the job that brought me out there. Okay. That I was like, oh, I'll move there for that job. Uh, that job didn't last very long. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Who knew? China real estate, unstable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whoa, yeah. big surprise there. And uh, yeah, so literally like four months after I moved there, I was out of work after moving across the world. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. And then uh, I was looking for another job. I was looking for like other stuff in real estate because that was- Did you decide to say, well, obviously you stayed in China, but when this happened, were you like- Holy shit, holy shit, holy like what am I gonna do? Or were you like so, Oh, it looks like I'm here, so I'll just find another job. So this is a weird thing. I, I didn't panic as much as you think I would, because it was actually um my second time being out of work in Asia in the same calendar year. Really? Uh because before that I had had a job um, where I was like a special assistant to the CEO of like this real estate investment company that was based out of Hong Kong and Tokyo. So I was 
primarily spending time in Hong Kong and Tokyo, but the whole job was traveling. Like I didn't even have an apartment. Like that's how much. So technically, you you hadn't made the move to China yet. Yeah. So I wasn't living in mainland China. I was it like I was in Asia, but I was I was traveling all around. I was spending most of my time in Hong Kong and Tokyo. But that job, I only did it for a few months. The this guy traveled everywhere. So I. In the span of a few months, I was in like Hong Kong, Tokyo, New York. How did you get that job? Uh, I saw it on like a, a like a, a listserv I was on for like Asia or China related job postings, and I okay. looked at it and I was like, "Oh, I'll apply for that." So, did you major in uh, Chinese when you were in college, so, or Mandarin, or Cantonese, or what? You speak Mandarin, right? Yeah, I speak Mandarin. So Chinese wasn't my major, but I studied it every semester I was in. Uh, I was in college. What did you major in? Uh, philosophy, politics, and economics. All three, or like a combination of the three. So it was an interdisciplinary major that okay. was that was one one major that had all three components. Oh, okay, okay, w- okay. W- within it, yeah, yeah. What <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's a, a lot being <laughs> thrown at you here. So I'm. I just want to. I want to get to the the comedy and everything because you did comedy in China. Yes. So I want to get to all that, but. We've got to unpack this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let me. Let's. Uh, for so, that, we need to start at the beginning. Yeah. So when you go to college, so you you go to high school. Where are you originally from? Uh, Massachusetts. Okay. And you go to high school in Massachusetts. Yes. And then you get done with high school and you decide, I'm going to go to college. Do you have any inkling to do any sort of Asian studies or anything with China or anything like that when you're going into college? So, I mean, my dad, like when I was in high school, had mentioned like, oh, you know, studying Chinese might be yeah. a thing, a thing We've all seen it. the movie Looper. Yeah. Jeff Daniels' character. <laughs> I'm from the future. You yeah. want to learn Chinese. Yeah. It, no, it was kind of like that. Cause, so my dad had like done business in Asia kind of while I was growing up. It was, But at the time, since it was like the 80s and 90s, it was mostly in Japan that he was doing yeah. business. Because okay. that's who was the major Asian power. The superpower at, in at Asia, that point. yeah. And he was in, my dad was in like uh, computer engineering, like technology and like microprocessors, the sort of stuff that the Japanese are good at and, you know, th- yeah. and do, you know. So he had done a lot of business in Asia, but he was kind of looking forward to like, oh, if you were going to do stuff in Asia moving forward, like China's what's going to be. He would pivot to China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like China is what's going to be big like when you're, you know, going to be at the point when you're working. So, so like, when you're a kid, this is like something that he's talking – like not a kid, but when you're getting yeah, older, this is something he's bringing he said, up. Yeah, he said it when I was in high school and I kind of like, you know, filed it away. And yeah. then when I started – uh, in college, like we had like a four semester language requirement, and I'm like, well, if I have to take a language, I might as well like try to learn Chinese and see what happens. Yeah, that was, so that was basically how it started. Because you have that whole bit about <laughs> you just learn Chinese to get Asian girls. Yeah, like I can't even get American yeah, girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, so when you decide, like, okay, what? Where did you go to college? Um, UPenn. Okay. In Philadelphia, the Ivy League school. Yeah. <laughs> just, turn, just turn to the camera. I know. See, this, this is your Ivy League educated. Yeah, I know. And this is what I was, I've heard what of I'm your doing. jokes. You're doing dick jokes. This is you're like this, and you're like, and this is the when, when people say that when people say it like that, the implication <laughs> is you're Ivy League educated, and this is what you're doing with your. It's life. not even that because <laughs> I, I get the same thing. Like I scored a 164 on my LSATs. I did really, really well, and everyone's like, you didn't go to law school. It's like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. So I totally understand that, and. It all makes a lot more sense because your dick jokes are very, very nuanced <laughs> and I'm being serious. Like the joke you have about like the girls at the coffee shop, that's fucking hilarious. Oh, thank you. And it's it's one of those things where 
because I'm one of those guys, like I don't talk about sex a lot on stage, but when I do, it's very just like kind of low hanging. Like, yeah, obviously, but you <laughs> do it in a way where the Ivy League education makes so much more sense now. <laughs> okay. So you go, you finish high school and then you go to UPenn and yeah. then you have to take a language and obviously it's an Ivy League school. So they offer way more languages. Like I went to a state school in Florida, so you could take like Spanish or Spanish and that was kind of it. <laughs> so... Well, you take Mandarin because that's the predominant uh, yeah. Dial- yeah. dialect, right? Yeah, okay. that's the one that they – I mean, I think you probably could have taken Cantonese classes, but I mean almost everyone who's taking Chinese would be taking Mandarin just because okay. it's the one that and most so that's practical. Just in like, the back of your head and then you decide – which I th- I think it's super cool because you're taking philosophy and poly- – like this interdisciplinary studies program – so it's not like you're in business and then taking Chinese, like yeah. and then taking Mandarin, like oh, I'm going to take over the world. You're doing something obviously that you want to do in philosophy and politics, and what was the third one? Economics. Economics, and so, but then you're also like, well, let me learn this just in you know just to have it. Yeah. And so, at what point are you like, oh, like signing up for the job boards for Asia and stuff? Like, at what point in your college career are you like, oh, I think I might go over there. So I mean I so I studied it for like like the first two years of college took the four semesters of Chinese and then like a lot of people during their second year of college are thinking like oh if I want to study abroad usually like your junior year is the time where like yeah. most people would do it so there were like a lot of like study abroad fairs that would happen that where you could see like what different programs were in different countries like to see if there's anything that fit for you and I remember like going to one of these study abroad fairs and. Um, just seeing some of these programs and one in particular that was just like, okay, you go to Beijing for the semester. There's a full-time language pledge where like you have to sign a contract saying like you won't speak English for the whole semester, like 24 hours a day. And I was like, oh, that would be like a really good way to get good at Chinese. Yeah. And so immersive. Right. So I signed up for that program and did that for a semester. And that was kind of what really like helped me level up with my Chinese so then I came back, finished college, and just took a job in consulting because at UPenn it's big, you know, business, the Wharton School. Yeah. A lot of people end up just going into consulting, finance, banking. Cause those, it's all like, about who you know, not what you know. Well, and because those companies just – there's this, like, thing called on-campus recruiting where those companies will just come to Penn to conduct interviews. So basically you can, like, apply for, like – a million jobs yeah, and just see which jobs you get interviews for and they will come to the campus and interview you. You don't, at least for the first round, like you don't have to go anywhere. I'm going to, this is breaking news on the podcast. They don't do that at Florida state schools. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that, that's what, yeah. So for like the, but second, at Ivy league schools, I could imagine they're right. probably lining up to get the best and yeah. the brightest. Yeah. If you get a second round or final round interview, you usually have to like go to their office. You might have to go to another city if that's where they're yeah. based or whatever. But like for the first round, they will dispatch people to come to campus and just like interview people en masse yeah. to see like who might be a good fit. For I mean, it's company. a, it's a, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. So and but most of the companies that do that are things like consulting, finance, yeah. banking. So I got- so you do the you do the study abroad, just so everyone's tracking. You do study abroad your junior year. Yeah, you come back, and then once you finish school, you just uh, you do one of these yeah. like job fair things, basically. Right. So I end up working in consulting here here in New York for a year. But as I'm doing this job, it's like it it's consulting. It pays well, but the yeah. hours are not great, and it's not really what I want to be doing with my life. And I knew. In the back of my head, I'm like, I kind of want to do something Asia related. So on that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) So on that job uh, that I saw that posting for that job for um, 
the special assistant yeah, being a special assistant to the CEO of that company. And I was like, oh, a, why don't I apply for this? It's it's a long shot, but let's see. And then I do like a kind of a virtual interview with them since it's across the world. <laughs> and then it um it goes well enough where they're like, I'm in whatever sort of shortlist or final round or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the guy wants to do like an in-person interview. So they flew me out to Tokyo for an interview. First class, business class, coach. What the- uh, coach. Just, ah. just, coach, just, coach, just coach. So it's like, it's like cool, but not that cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's so cool that they yeah. paid for it, but it's. it's- yeah. But it was, I had to like get, I had to like lie with that. One of the things you had to like, no, but you had to, like lie. No, but you had to lie to get the time off of work. Cause it was also a weird oh, thing. Oh yeah. Cause you're still doing the consulting job. Yeah. I'm still working with the consulting job. And my interview in Tokyo was on like a Wednesday morning. Tokyo or local in, time? In, in Tokyo. Okay. So obviously that's in like the middle of the week. So to make that work, I had to like fly out of New York uh, like Monday night. Yeah, because they're ahead of day. Right. Get there Tuesday night, do the interview Wednesday morning, fly back on Thursday, and then I went into work in New York on Friday again. So I, I – How did you get the – did you just ask for the time off, like PTO or something, or did you have to make up a, an excuse? I asked for the time. I I think it was one of those where so – Grandma I, died or something? So – it was one of those things I actually, right before that, did have a like a fairly close relative who died, and we had just had the funeral. But I was like, oh, I need to help out my family with some other stuff for like. Okay, that yeah, you parlayed it, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it was like a partial lie. Yeah, I mean, we've all yeah. been there. One time, I had a job, and uh, I don't want to air like family laundry or whatever, but like something had happened, and I had to leave the job. And then when I got back, this is when I was still drinking. Then when I got back, I was like, I was like, I don't want to fucking go back to work. So I just called and was like, same thing. Like something came up with the thing that we're dealing with. So it's going to be, I'm going to need another week. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Take as much time as you need. And I was like already back home. I was just like, I just want to take a week off. Right. So I totally, totally understand that. And so then you, you do the interview. Obviously it goes well. Yeah, it goes well. See, the thing is this was in, I want to say this was in like, April. So this is in in the spring. So it goes well, but they're they're taking their sweet time. Yeah, they on, do yeah. On, on this on this whole thing. And quick I, side note, you said it's in Tokyo. Do you you don't speak Japanese? I don't speak Japanese. So the when you went after the job posting, the business I'm assuming is based in China, or the CEO is a Chinese gentleman. So so this is interesting. The CEO is not Chinese. He was American, but he started a real estate <laughs> investment company out in Asia. Um, that was basically based out of Hong Kong and Tokyo at that time. But he had done more business in mainland China before. He still had – they had four offices at the time, I believe. It was Hong Kong, Tokyo, Shanghai, and uh, Taipei. Those okay. are their four – but their main offices were in Hong Kong and Tokyo. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming in – Asia, it's a lot like in Europe where everyone speaks like three or four different languages or is that not the case? It's not really the case. Okay. Some people do, but it's, it's – since the countries are generally bigger than in Europe, it's not – you don't see people being as multilingual. Okay. Because I know, as, as yeah, like in Europe, they always make fun of Americans because they're like, oh, I speak French, German, Dutch, like, like right. four different – But so I just assume maybe if you went to China, especially with a CEO who's American but also has holdings in all those different areas, I'm assuming he would speak – So he was fluent – in both Mandarin and Japanese. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Okay. And uh, he was conversational in Cantonese. 
So yeah, uh, yeah, no, just like a just like a white guy from New York that did all. This and that stuff. blows my mind too, because uh, I think Cantonese behind English is like the second hardest language in the world to learn. Yeah, Cantonese is. I I don't really know any Cantonese, but just based on what I know about Chinese, language well, even Mandarin in general, like super I think hard. that Cantonese is harder than Mandarin. God, that's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you get the job, but how long? So this interview's in April, and then how long does it take to get the job? I find out in July. Okay, so, so not so, but a then few but by the time I start, it's like October. Geez, so this almost took like this half took, the year. This took a while. Yeah, yeah, this took a while. So I started this job. We and just little little details. I'm obsessed with these. So financially, are you like I can't quit my main job because I, I need to pay my bills? Are you like? Are you living in a situation where you're like, oh, I can quit and take like a month or two off before I start the new job? Or like, what's going through your head? I mean, you're 22, 23 years old. So like, what's going through your head financially or just as like, just as basically a kid about to embark on this huge adventure? Are you like freaking out or like, what's going on? I mean, my thing was just that this process to get this job took so long that I was like, let's just start as quickly as possible before they changed their mind or whatever. whatever. Like, like I don't, I didn't want to wait. Yeah. And any longer. So, yeah, I move out there in October. But as I said, I, I'm i traveling all the time, so I don't even have an apartment. I'm technically, according to HR and everything, I'm based out of Hong Kong, but I'm rarely there. Where do you, Where's your stuff? So my stuff was not permanently anywhere, really. I... But I mean, it had to have been some like your stuff from college, like your clothes, all that kind of stuff. Like, where is it in a storage unit? I, is I it kept, back home? I, I kept is some. It... I kept some stuff like stored or like in a storage unit, either with 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 family or okay, 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 um, okay. Th- things like that. But yeah. yeah, I so I I was traveling and I didn't have an apartment. Was spending most of my time in Tokyo, some in Hong Kong, and then was just traveling to various places. As I said, we came back to uh, U.S. at one point. We were in New York and L.A. and Orange County. Then I was in like London. Uh, Frankfurt, uh, Israel, Hawaii. This is a nuts Taipei. four months. Yeah, this is it, it, yeah. It was an insane amount of travel. And then what happens? Why? How, what happens with the job? So, at one point, I was. This was this was the following February. So I started in October. This is the following February. Um, we're in Hong Kong. I'm at the Hong Kong office. Uh, it's about you know going home time for the day, and my boss is just like, hey. Um, can you bring me some documents? Like, bring me this. He was living in Hong Kong. He lived at the Four Seasons residences. So, he so he he said, can you just you know bring us stuff to the the lobby of the Four Seasons residences? Which wasn't an unreasonable request. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, this is a common thing in major cities. People, they're right. fancy hotels, but they also have like the Plaza does it here in New right. York. They're fancy, super fancy hotels, but like at the top, like six floors or ten floors or whatever, they're actual apartments. Right? Can rent. Yeah, yeah, long term residences. That, yeah, yeah pe- fancy, fancy, rich super people. fancy, super fancy. Yeah. So I go to the lobby of the Four Seasons residences, which is again separate lobby from the regular hotel yeah. lobby. <laughs> yeah. So um, then. So I sit on the couch, give him the documents, and um, at some point, he just he looks at me and he goes, "I need to make a change." And then he just basically tells me that I'm getting fired. Um, there was, were you doing something wrong? Did he give you any reason, or? I mean, I think it just wasn't working for him. So there was no, there was no previous. Fe- so it's one of those things where. You know, you get blindsided by something. Yeah. And then, but, and then you look back, and then once you know how it ended, 
you see points where you're like, oh, I guess that would. I guess this makes sense if you yeah. connect that dot, that dot, that mm-hmm. dot, and that dot. The but, usual suspects. Right. But there was no – there were times where maybe I I did things and he wasn't totally satisfied with my work. But from what I saw, that was just the process of like you're just starting at a new company. You're working with a new boss and you're figuring out how they like things done because yeah. every boss is different. Mm-hmm. And that's just a part of when you started a new company, everybody. Yeah, that's you. growing pains. Right. Everybody goes through that, figuring out how to work with people. Um, but he was the type of like kind of the kind of like the eccentric genius CEO, like yeah. very difficult to work with and also just not very communicative and kind of someone who you needed to be able to read his mind. Speaks five languages, but can't communicate. Right. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, sounds like a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it just maybe a couple things happened with with um, work I did where he didn't like the way I did it, but he didn't necessarily – wasn't like, hey, uh, Do I want, it you, this way I want you to time, fix yeah. these things, this thing and this thing. Or like if he really saw a problem, he wasn't like, hey, we should talk about this and get this fixed and sorted out. I think he saw a couple problems and then just kind of decided in his head, this isn't going to work, but never really told me about it. Didn't give me an opportunity to fix it or or, or improve myself. Um, Were you pissed off? Like you had just – you had gone across the world for this job. And then it was just after four months. It it took you longer to get to the job than it did – than you were in the job. Yeah. Dude, I'd I'd start breaking shit. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I just remember – I mean it was – I really had to fight back from – literally crying on the spot. Yeah. I think I I think I probably did just because I, I I had yeah, I had moved my whole life across the world. At the time I actually was doing long distance with a girlfriend back in New York yeah. at at the time and but my whole but yeah, I'd moved my whole life and I had quit a a stable good high paying job in New York uh, to do this. To do this. So now, this is because you said you were traveling so much and everything like that, but HR technically had you based in Hong Kong. When this happens, do you have an apartment to go back to? Like, what? where do you go? So on that particular trip, that was the first trip. So for the first few times I went to Hong Kong because it was early, they put me up in a place just because I, quote unquote, hadn't had time to find a place yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would have been impossible because I was barely there. I couldn't even look for a place. Yeah. So, but the rule was after a certain time, if I was in Hong Kong, I had to find my own accommodation. So I was just in like an Airbnb. Okay. Um, and But I remember it was February, which Hong Kong is is a very warm place. But February is like the two or three weeks a year where it's kind of cold. Yeah. And since it's a really warm place, there's no heating like in the whole city or yeah, Florida, the, Florida's the, a lot yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of a very similar climate to Florida in the sense that it's like super, super humid. Um, but so I remember it's like the middle of February. This happens to me. I got to go back to this Airbnb that I'm staying in. And I just remember just freezing, just, <laughs> just like freezing alone oh. And just having no job. <laughs> and the most the foreign place you could be. Literally on the yeah. opposite. Yeah. I Yeah, I just remember because it's I'm like. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Yeah, it's. Because that's the thing. Hong Kong is, as I said, Hong Kong is a super like hot, 
hot, humid place. Like anyone who goes there is like, oh my God, it's way too hot here. And it is for 95, 97% of the year. But there's like a, a few weeks where, week period. where it gets, you know, like occasionally like in Florida where it yeah, just, it just it drops goes, down to like 32 or 30 yeah. and everyone's like, what is happening? Right. And you just global warming. Am I right, guys? Right. And you just, and if you're, and you're going to be in a house or an apartment that has no heating or insulation and you got to like put on your hoodie and everything when you go to sleep. And it's just one of those where, yeah, I, now I'm like unemployed across the world. I'm cold. Um, but I also had to like most of their HR stuff was in was in Japan in Tokyo. So after this trip or whatever, I had to fly to like Tokyo to do like exit stuff. Yeah. And did they take care of you at least like as far as like a severance and all that? Yeah, I got a good severance. Okay. Package, especially just you don't be- have to get too far into it. But I just wanted to make sure because you're here now and I know everything worked out. Right. But as you're telling the story, I'm like. So how did you survive? Like, how did you live? Yeah. I mean, luckily, especially because it was so out of nowhere and it, I wasn't really fired for cause. I think they were pretty generous with the severance just so. I you know, would, HR hates would. that CEO. Uh, yeah. They're like another fucking guy he fired. We've got to we got to give this person hush money, basically, to yeah. be like so they don't file a lawsuit for you being fired, terminated with no cause. Right. So that. Um, and you're like, yes, I will take my hush money and be on my way. Thank you. Right. But that was, I mean, you can't underrate how helpful that money is. Yeah. Just because it gives you the time to figure out your life without having to worry about paying bills in the short term. I talk about this all the time. Ryan Thomas and I were talking about this because he saved, he was working like a, a corporate job and saved a bunch of money before he moved to New York. And then when he got here, he just like does mics and stuff. And right. we're not, I'm, excuse me, that's, that's disrespectful. He does. He does comedy. He does a lot of shows. But I'm saying when we run into each other, it's mainly at Mike's. But right. uh, he does a ton of shows and just works on comedy and just does that because, like you said, that cushion he was able to give himself by saving. So you're in the same situation. You get fired. But then they give you the severance and you're like, oh, I'm – I don't have to freak out. Right. So I've, I've, I've just real quick, I find myself in that opposite position where I have a really good job in New York, but then I blew all this money on the one man show and everything. And now I'm like, oh, now I'm freaking the fuck out because I want to, I have to still do comedy and the podcast and everything, but I don't, I'm out of money. Right. (laughs) So it's like, I still have to pay rent. Like, which is a way worse spot to be in, obviously. Oh yeah. But now you're at a position where, what do you, you decide I'm just going to look for another job. So basically at that point, since. I have a girlfriend back in New York and I don't – because this job was my whole life. I didn't have any yeah. friends out in Asia at this point. I'm like – Well, you're traveling so much you can't yeah. establish any kind of roots or anything. Right. So I'm like I got to move back to New York at least to figure things out in the short term. So I move back. I'm, I'm living in New York. I'm I'm like, okay, I'll look for jobs in New York but I'll also look for jobs in Asia. I kind of do both. <laughs> Let's look, go back to Asia. Right. But so I'll be in New York. So I, I was in New York for a few months. Was looking for jobs in New York. Got like a couple interviews here or there, but they didn't really go anywhere. And I was just getting more traction applying for like Asia related or Asia based yeah. jobs. Well, because I'm sure it's a huge benefit that one that you went to an Ivy League school in America, and two because you know I know a lot of people come over from Asia to go to Harvard and Yale and UPenn and Columbia and you know even New York. Right. Um, so the fact that you already had that education and the fact that you speak the two hardest languages in the world to learn, mm. Mandarin and English. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I was, so it just kind of how it ended up working is that the best job offer I got was to work for that real estate developer in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a situation where I was like, I need to get my career back on track. I've wanted to move to China. This is, if I'm ever going to do it, 
this is it. Yeah. This is the opportunity. So, I mean, it was kind of a difficult thing because it was necessary at that point, like kind of had to have the hard conversation with, with the girlfriend, with my girlfriend. We'd been together for like two years at that and point. And you're like, I, I got to do this. Yeah. Cause it was either, cause if, if I turned down the job to be with her, I had no other job opportunity. It wasn't even like I was choosing between it, <clears throat> like a New York job yeah. and a job in China at that point. It's like, I didn't have another option. Well, and the resentment is astounding mm-hmm. to, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that was, <laughs> we don't that, have to get into it. No, that was what, off I, the breakup, that was what like, I ultimately decided when, when I was thinking about it is that even if we are together and we get married and we're reasonably happy, I would resent you for the rest of my life for being the reason I didn't move to China. Yeah. So the new job, and then we got to get we got to get into some stories. We yeah, gotta get I into know. Comedy, but the new job that's more of a stationary position. That's right. like you move to Shanghai. This is where you're based out of. You yeah. get an apartment. The whole deal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then any of the travel would be like domestic travel within China. Okay. Cool. Um, but then that job in like another four months falls apart, oh and so it's like. But the weird thing is, since I just went through this other one. The, like losing a job for the second time in such a short time. Oh, yeah, because you had said was, earlier, you yeah. were like, yeah, this is the second time. And then we got off track. Right. Was easier because one, I was like, I know I want to still be in China and I'm looking for jobs while I'm here on the ground, which is easier than having to look yeah. from, from across the world. So I was kind of weirdly like, this will be fine. This is weird and frustrating, but it'll be fine. And I was about to start working for another real estate company then like literally five days before I was about to start this job, I got a message from this guy I had met like two or three years before who is a, like a headhunter who places bilingual foreigners in jobs in China. And he sends me a message and he's like, I have this opportunity and you're the first person I thought of. And I'm like, this is weird because I – I'm not like great friends with this guy. I yeah. met him once. You're like, I haven't thought of you. Two so or three. That's, that's weird. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, I'm about to start. He didn't even know I was looking for jobs. That's yeah. the other weird thing when he sent this message. Uh, and I was I was like, ah, I'm about to start another job. I can't really. And then he's like, we should talk. So yeah. then I call him on the phone. We talk. Uh, and he's like, uh, the job is with the NBA. Bam. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, now I have to <laughs> yeah. try to get this job. Um but I, but I, I told him the problem is I'm supposed to um, – I think it was a Wednesday and I'm supposed to start a job literally the following Monday. Yeah. Um, I've already signed the contract and everything. And I, I said, how long will this interview process take it, it, like to see if I get this NBA job? And he's like, I can get you through the interview process in two weeks. Um, so basically I made up an excuse with this other job of why I had to delay my start date by two weeks. Yeah. Um, because you can't, you can't just tell them fuck off because right. in case you don't get the NBA right. job, you'd be screwed. Yes, exactly. So I go through three rounds of interviews in two weeks. The first round you know, was going to be with my future boss. Second round with HR. Third round was with like basically the second – the number two at, at NBA China, like the executive okay. vice president. So like third or fourth person down from Adam Silver. Um, eh, I mean, it depends. It depends how you. How well, you, I'm saying, like, if Adam Silver's here, and then you go to the China branch, it would yeah, be like no, the it's like the second guy at the China branch. Okay, at, at, at the China business. I don't know where it would rank in all of the all the NBA hierarchy, but yeah, basically the number two at, at the company. And I end up getting the job, and I just don't show up for my first day at the real estate company. Um, w- when they thought I was going to start work, I literally on the, I think on the day was like, yeah, I'm not coming. Did you call or I think email I called or? or emailed or sent I sent something 
Yeah. You're like, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. That's quite an adventure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was insane. <laughs> well, the, actually, the funny thing about this real estate company, um, I had applied for when I was in New York the previous year. I had applied for a similar or maybe the exact same position with that company in Shanghai. And the I had an interview with their like not their CEO, but their it was like a research position at a real estate mm-hmm. uh company. And I had this interview with like their head of research for Asia. He happened to be in New York at the time, so he interviewed me at the Carnegie Deli. Yeah. Um classic. Yeah. At the Carnegie Deli. And I had one of the worst interviews I've ever had in my life. Uh, just, I was totally unprepared for it. I didn't just the types of stuff he was asking, thought it was going to be a real estate interview, ended up being more of like a consulting type interview with the questions I was asking, which I'd done consulting before, but those types of interviews, you need to be like preparing you have for to them. prep. Yeah. And just cause it's a very specific type of interview. And if you haven't been prepping, you're just not going to be sharp and you're not going to be a lot of the for- answering questions with questions kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like, they're like case problems. Yeah. So it's a lot of. It's just seeing how you think and stuff. So you have to – it's just – it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. And if you're out of practice, you're just not going to do well with that sort of thing. And I just did Bally. It, it was – I did not get the job. So then basically a year later, that head of research or whatever had moved on to another company. So the top interview was with like his deputy who who had – interviewed me before the previous year and had passed me on to the big boss. But now basically he was the big boss because there was no one above him, at least for the moment. So he offered me this job, but then I spurned him. So I kind of got back at this company for, it it was like this revenge thing where they rejected me and then I rejected them a year later. Take that. You'd be shocked how long my list is of people where I'm like, just wait till it gets big. Just uh, wait till the podcast blows up. And then you're going to be like, hey, can I promote? I'm going to be like, no, fuck off. Yeah, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think. No, I, yeah. You seem like exactly yeah. the type of person. Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to you about how you got into comedy. Right. Um, and then we do have some drinking stories, too, that we may or may not get to because I'm having so much fun talking I about know. just this stuff. Um, when did you start doing stand-up? So I started doing stand-up when I was living in Shanghai, about a year after I moved there. Okay. And now I've, I had... Uh, Damon Sumner on, who's uh, mm. who did the kung fu comedy, right? Um, d- did you have any affiliation with them when they were out there? Yeah, so kung fu comedy was the um, was the 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 club that I started with. Okay, so but Damon and I, I think, were in China at different times, so we never crossed paths when I was there. But it's still like two degrees of separation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Bringing people together here on X Drinking. Yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah. Um, so did you? Were you always a fan of comedy? Like, how did you? It's. it's Starting is hard enough, and I, I've talked to a lot of different people. And you know, some people start when they're super young. Some people wait till they're a little older. Or in like my case, I started young and then took a break and then got back into it. Mm. What were you always a fan of stand up or comedy or like? Did you like what pushed you to be like? Oh, I want to try this. It's funny. Like, I mean, especially in China where it's a, an authoritative government. I, it's funny because like I always enjoyed comedy. I liked you know comedy movies and stuff like that. And I watched some stand up growing up, but I never. Whenever I watched stand up, I never thought like, oh, I can do that or yeah. I should do that. The thought never occurred to me, not once. Um, but the way I end up getting into it was right after I started working for the NBA. They had this like uh, this company event where it's one of these like biannual events where each. Uh, department makes like a presentation of what their goals are for the fiscal year. It's like it, bringing the whole company together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty dry thing. So they wanted to break it up by having like an employee talent show okay. type of thing. 
And they were just like desperate to get people for this talent show because no one wants to sign up for that. But as like the new employee, I was kind of like, oh, I'll do it. You know, because you're like, you're doing it. You're like the new person. Um, But I I volunteered to do it without even knowing what I was going to do. Yeah. And I'll just talk. Right. No. And then um, I was talking to someone, a colleague at the office, and they were like, uh, they were like, can you do impressions? And I was like, yeah, I actually can. Yeah. So then I, I wrote, I had never done comedy before. I thought of some impressions that maybe I could do. And I kind of wrote some jokes or impressions and put them all together. Um, and I did a set. Murdered. And so it's weird. I wouldn't say I murdered. It was like with, I think some people in the audience like were like, I don't know what's going on here. But the people who knew what I was doing or who were into it really loved it. Yeah. And I got like enough of a positive reaction where I was like, oh, I should find open mics. So then that from there, I was you like, oh, bug, yeah. I started looking for open mics in Shanghai and Beijing and just started from there. God, that's crazy. So when because you wrote, well, we'll tie this together. So you wrote China. That's all you wrote. When I said uh, send me a list of some of your drinking stories, like bullet points, were you getting after it when you were in China? Um, so a little, it's interesting because some of the first drink the drinking stories I would think of originally were from when I studied abroad because it just okay so this is before when you're still yeah when did you start drinking so if how do we want to well see how I did that yeah see what I did there yeah pretty good host yeah um so the first uh the first time I ever drank like aside from kind of at dinner like my dad giving me like a a sip sip or two like the first time I really drank uh, I was 14 years old. Yeah, you were. Uh, yeah. You're like, oh, I like where this story's going. <laughs> um, so I have a, a sister who's five years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was in the summer. She was back home from college. It was either after her freshman or sophomore year um, of college. And she like had a party with some people at like our, our mom's house. And, you know, mom's my, out of town. Yeah, she was somewhere. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's somewhere. You know, moms being moms. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly where she was. But anyways, my sister and I had always been very close. So she was just – and, you know, I was hanging around. I knew some of her friends. So she was just like, oh, you can hang around. We can you know, we can drink a little bit with yeah. us. Or, um, And, you know, at, at first things were all right. Um, you know, I was playing a little bit of like beer pong with her, with her friends. And, you know. Big party, small party. 10, 12 uh, people or 40, 50 people. I would say somewhere in between, maybe okay. like close to like twenty to thirty, twenty to thirty, okay. that, that, that that range. So it's not like out of control, but there's enough people there where you can it's kind a real, of get it's lost a real, in it. Yeah, yeah, it's a real house party. It's mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's not one of those where yeah, where you can lose track of people for sure. Um, so then after you know you're you know you're young, you're playing beer pong, you're you're feeling yourself a little bit, <laughs> you know, and you're. You know, because when you get to that point, especially I feel like when you haven't drank before and you and you get like a little bit, you just get like a little bit drunk. You're like, oh, this feels like pretty good. And you're like, yeah, I want to keep going. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I want to keep going. Um, Sometimes that spirals you into an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Hey. That's the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and so very predictably, or maybe, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It's- I. I, I, was, I think we all see where this is going. I, I was like, uh, I was like, well, I'm not getting drunk fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is just this is just uh, like this is very inefficient. So I was like, I'm gonna go upstairs and uh, make myself a rum and coke. There you go. And um, if uh, I don't know if you if you were 
If you were a, a young lad who didn't who didn't know anything about how to mix drinks, how would how would you make a rum and coke? Uh, probably 50-50. Exactly. Yeah. So that is what I did. And uh, yeah, it did not. It did not go well. My, God. I, I was on my like as time passed, my sister starts to realize like, oh, I think he's like, like how did you're like how did he get this drunk? I'm just playing a little bit of beer pong, and then like the truth starts to come out. I'm like, oh, I made rum and coke, and she's like, how much rum? I'm like, half rum, half coke. She's like, what? Yeah. And then are you like stumbling around, not like not being coherent, just belligerent? Um, not belligerent, but I think like probably stumbling around or like kind of struggling to stay. Yeah conscious and then i'm like getting ready to puke so then i'm like i so i still remember this or either i remember it or she told me it's hard to know yeah, oh, with, these, yeah. with these things um but i was like and, you know i had my chin in the toilet and i'm puking at it i don't know at that at that point in time a lot of the the fast food places weren't open late but wendy's had a drive-through window that was open to like one or two they were the first ones they were the first did ones it. that did yeah. it so it was a big deal so my sister when she would have these parties they, someone would go out at like you know, midnight or one and go get some Wendy's yeah. for, for people, someone who was still able to drive. And so I just remember, I think I'm like, or puke, not so able to drive or yeah, or whatever, uh, you know, just get back or whatever. And so I'm like, you in the toilet. I think my sister's just there, like chopping on a bacon. Cheeseburger. <laughs> Junior bacon, baby. Yeah. Just like, just she's right. She's got there. a JBC and yeah. she's just like, look at just you. Like, oh my mess. God, this is, this is terrible. I'm just like, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but she's like, terrified that because I was like pretty drunk so she when I like went to bed she like periodically came in to check on me yeah she was actually worried that I was still breathing and still alive and all that stuff so I made it through that night but that was one of those that like scares you off from drinking so that's what I was going to ask so after that did you not drink again for a while yeah I didn't really drink again for a while so for pretty much the rest of high school? For pretty much all of high school I didn't really drink okay until yep um so like second semester senior year, I, I kind of think is we've kind of talked about my background. I worked pretty hard in high school. I didn't really party. I stayed on the straight and narrow. But you kind of yeah. Got, you, you went to an Ivy League school. We got it, Ben. You're better than all of us. That's not what I'm saying. Hear me out here. <laughs> but you've seen you've seen this uh, you've seen this trajectory before, where you know people work themselves to death they they get burnt out and then like second semester senior year they're like they're like did i miss out on high school yeah. did it like oh, and it's then over. and then you try to get it all back in like 3 months yeah um so is that what you did a, a little bit oh. because i because i was like i was basically at the point where I'm like, okay, I've applied to all the colleges I've applied to. I can't, I can't do anything else anymore. It's out of your control now. It's, it's, it's out over. of my control. And if I'm going to like drink or let loose in high school, this is my last chance. Yeah. Because when you do it the next year, it's creepy. Yeah. Because you're out of high school. Right. You still come back to be right, like, right. hey, guys. Yeah. We had a lot of people who did that. Actually. Yeah. That's what it seems like a very Florida thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where like we would graduate and then we had uh, some some guys went like to play college football and stuff. And then after a semester, they're like, I want to go home. Like, I don't like it here anymore. And they would come home and then you'd see them at like Friday night football game. Like I would come home like, you know, in the off season or whatever to like come visit. And they're like at the basketball games on a Thursday, like at the high school. And it's like, dude, you graduated like two and a half years ago. Like what's happening? Yeah. Anyway, that's a Florida thing. Let's, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk more about Massachusetts. So you um, decide like you want to get crazy, but not too crazy. Well, but people had always told me they would be like, oh, you should. One of those things would be like, oh, you should have a party. It's like you have, you have a good house for a party. Mm-hmm. Because my house was kind of it was like set back and it was a little bit in the woods. So it's good for a party in terms of like you wouldn't get noise complaints yeah. or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um 
so people were always like, oh, you should have a party. And then I was like, one time I was like, and, and at that point, my my dad had a girlfriend who lived in an, another place. So he was going out of town okay. a decent amount. Was your dad's house or your mom's house the one that was the party house? Uh, my dad's house. So okay. I was living with my dad in okay. high school. So this is this was when my did dad. your parents get divorced? When I was 10. OK, <laughs> when I was 12. Oh, know. nice. There we go. Um, so your parents get divorced. You're living with your dad. Is it? Are you primarily with your dad? Yeah. So for from eighth grade through the end of high school, I lived with my dad. Okay. And so everyone's like, dude, this is the house. And your yeah. dad's got you know hot new girlfriend, so he's never home. And you're, right, he's, he's, right. He's out of town on the weekend. So well, I'm sure he traveled. Was he still doing the uh, business stuff? Was he still traveling? He was. He wasn't traveling as much internationally okay. at, at that point. I was gonna say that'd be fucking. That's a movie right there. That's yeah. a script. <laughs> Dad's just out of town all the time. Right. So, so party. Take yeah. us through it. So then I'm like, I'm going to have a, a, like, I'm going to have something in my house. Mm-hmm. So tell some people. And um, it was a nice, it was a nice party. We probably had like, um, I mean, a good size party. We probably had like 30 people there, but it was still in the range where it could be controlled. Yeah. Well, I, I, the reason I chuckle is I've been doing this show for a, a few years now and I've had hundreds of guests on and- this is the first time I think someone goes, yeah, my dad was out of town and we had a party. And you know what? It was actually a nice party. Normally, yeah, it's like well, things got way too out of control. Well, so we had like 30 people. It was controllable, did well, and uh, I got away with it. Yeah. And But when you get away with it. That doesn't seem foreboding at all. Right. You start to get more brave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and brazen. <laughs> yeah, oh, You're yeah. like, oh, I can do anything. Um, so then the people who were at that party were like, oh, that was fun. You know, we should do that again. So then the next time my dad was out of town and I'm like, oh, I'm having a party. But then it's like a word had gotten out about the previous party. I promoted this one way more. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this. This is the one we were waiting this for. Is, yeah, it is. You're like, this is this is this is this was one of those one of those examples where uh, the sequel was better than the original. <laughs> By better, I mean worse, but better, way better. Um, this one, I have no idea of knowing how many people were at this party, but I'm guessing it was at least a hundred. That's a lot. I, I, more than could be counted. I mean, it, it was. What happened? Cops show up. So, well, you said it's kind of set back, so you're not getting noise. It's kind of set back. At one point. Are you calling the cops? Like, get these people out of my house. So I think it's one of those, you know, those parties, a lot of times, like people yell cops and there aren't cops. Yeah. So that might've happened at one point. I don't think the cops actually came. But it just got so big, um, so unwieldy. Um, at one point, this kid, uh, I think it was uh, Adam Metzger, he was like a football lacrosse player. I had one of those. Um, Shout out, Adam. Yeah. I don't know if you have one of these. I hope you don't have a wife and kids right now. Yeah. Because Ben's going to bury you. Um, I don't know if you ever seen like these refrigerators that when you – at freezers that like when you close them, they like magnetically seal yeah, yeah. for a few seconds. Like uh-huh. you literally can't open them. Mm-hmm. So we had one of these like fridges or freezers. So basically the door to the fridge or the freezer closes and I think it was Adam Metzger. He like big football lacrosse guy. Like tries to open it, but it's impossible. You you can't open it. It's magnetically yeah. sealed, and basically he pulls it so hard that he rips the freezer door off. His motherfucker. So he like didn't rip the whole door off, but it was like a it was like a nice wood finish attached to the actual door. But it was the handle and like the whole the paneling, the whole panel of the door. Yeah, is is torn off, and I'm like I'm like well I can't hide that. That's pretty obvious. That's- <laughs> um. 
so Adam, I, you piece of shit. Yeah. And so then I'm like, so then it's one of those things where like the next day, it's one of those things. Where there are those, you know, those like those heroes who come to your party and they're like, they're like, we're gonna, like, we're gonna help you clean up the next yeah. day. So I did have some of those. I cleaned up the house pretty good. And also, one of the kids who came to the party, he's like, oh, my dad's a carpenter. He'll come and fix your door. And it was, it, and he literally did. Get his, the fuck out of here! I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding you. His dad came. Fixed and like fixed the freezer door. Oh my god! That the reason I'm so blown away is that sounds like a fucking coke conversation at two in the morning in the back of a bar. Like we should start a business. I'll go get the loan paper tomorrow. Yeah. It's like no one's doing anything. Yeah, no. And he was like, I'm like, okay. And then yeah, his, his dad literally came. I think it's also I lived in like kind of like a liberal hippie town, so I feel like his dad was just like a hippie carpenter who just like didn't care. Jesus, his dad was Jesus. Yeah. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So he fixes the door. Um, so we're good on that front yeah, and clean things up pretty well, but it's like, it was impossible to catch everything. There were too many people there and what happened when he got home? So he comes home, he looks the funny thing is the, it's always like the first thing people notice. It's like, it's a small thing. It's, and it's never the last, it's something it's you would never, never see a big thing. Yeah. But then that opens up the floodgates Yep, and it was one of those where I think it, the first thing I remember, I think it was just he noticed that because he only been gone like a couple days or whatever that like one of the like paper towel rolls somewhere was like way more used up or something. That it should have been. It, or it should have been like so, just something it's like, like I just replaced this. Why is this empty? Right. So it's something like that. And then later there was he found uh, under the under the couch he hold on, he found. Uh, a beer pong sign-up list. It's always under the couch. Right. Which we use like a cardboard lining from like a 30 rack of bush light to write. Yeah. Of course, that's what, that's what you write. That's what you sign up on. You can't use real paper. Um, and then there were other things. I mean, so my at that point, I had a, a little sister who was like six years old. So she in her room had like a – she had like her – own bathroom that had like a tinier toilet that was for like kids. Yeah. I think someone like used her toilet. It may have like fucked it up a little bit because it was like a real person going in like a, a kid's a kid's toilet. Yeah. yeah. It's like a real toilet, but it's a smaller toilet yeah, yeah. for kids. Um, so that happened. I think I, I think something like my dad, I think maybe someone had like gone to my dad's bed at some point. I think someone How mad was he? Oh, he was very mad. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it, I mean, it was it was it was very mad about this. I mean, ironically, I think to this day he still doesn't know about the freezer door because that because that got, is he still at the same got, house? No, no. Oh no, no, god, no. that would have been great. He go, he listens to this and then goes downstairs and he's like, "That son of a, a bitch. bitch." No, but yeah, he still to this day does not know. I, I unless he listens to this eventually, um, we'll, we'll know about that freezer door. But what's yeah. up, Mister Frank? Yeah, but I got caught for a, a lot of other reasons. So what happened? Grounded in trouble. I was. I mean, of, you're already going to an Ivy League school. Like, I was what? kind of a, well. So I think I actually hadn't gotten my acceptance letter yet. Oh, I really? think it would come like maybe like two weeks later. Okay. So I still like kind of didn't know where I was going yet. Uh, that's a, yeah. That's, that's a little a tough, tougher. That's a, a little tougher situation. Situation. Yeah. But I don't think it. I don't think anything really happened to me. The thing is, I did have other parties after that. That's yeah. the, That's the, including, a, I think, a New Year's party when I was in college. Hell yeah. That, so, But none of them ever – and I think I got caught again later. But none of them were ever as big as that one. This was the most – as I said, it had to be at least 100 people. That's the it, pinnacle. It, it was – Did you make a conscious effort moving forward to make sure not to promote it and go crazy? 
Yeah, keep it. Try to keep it yeah. to a more reasonable, reasonable size. Right. Um, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. We have a couple minutes left. I wanted to ask you if you can do it in five minutes. Uh, I wanted to uh, parlay the last semester of high school with then you being a junior in college and then going to China. So when you first got to UPenn, are you drinking all the time or are you focused back on studies? Uh, I'm drinking a decent amount because because Penn is like uh, it's very much it's they they call they call it uh the social ivy that's what that's what they, that's what that's what they got yeah I, yeah <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, face plant um so no there is so like, it's the cool Ivy League school it's I mean it's uh, you know I think it it has competition from Cornell and Dartmouth because I think Dartmouth. I, I think like Animal House was based on Dartmouth. Was it, oh yeah, those yeah the National Lampoon. So all Ivy it, it's and like Penn is pretty big on Greek life, so there is like a lot of there is a lot of drinking there. So well, I can imagine. So my brother went to Cornell for his PhD, his uh, doctorate, and my brother fucking can party with the best of them. Mm. So I'm not putting it. I'm not saying like oh it's just a bunch of nerds like. Most of those super smart people have serious mental issues and will try to cover it up with booze and drugs. Mm. So, well, yeah, and a lot, and basically, they a lot of these kids like they work so hard and they study so hard they need to blow off steam. Yeah, a lot of somehow, steam. and that and we see that in New York. I mean, especially in the restaurant I'm in because mm. it's a swanky steakhouse. You get all these like super hardworking finance people and bankers and all these people. Mm. You don't see them all week, and then when they come in on the weekend, they go nuts because they're like, yeah. I got two days to blow off all this steam. Exactly. So a lot of times what we would do is, you know, we'd, you know, we'd go out, you know, get hammered and then, you know, get back at like four in the morning. Then you'd, you know, you'd wake up 12 or one, you'd go eat lunch and then you'd study from like two to seven. Yeah. And hung over, but you're just like, oh, we just got to bang out this work. And then at seven, you'd be like, okay, let's rally. Let's go out again. Yeah. And, but it's, so it's literally, it's, it, it's cliche, but it was a work hard, play hard type of, absolutely type of, type of situation. So when you got to China, did that mentality still stick? Um, I mean, definitely. I think when I was studying abroad, that's there, what I'm saying. For, yeah. For, for sure. Because you know, it's, it's China. You're trying to have a good time and there's a lot of drinking happening, especially because in, in China, the, there's this, um, there's this like national like liquor they have called Baijiu, yeah, which is um, terrible. <laughs> and, but it's you know you remember those old uh, years ago those old spice commercials where they were like scent is the strongest sense tied to memory. Yeah, I, when if you've ever drank Baijiu, that is that is so 100% true. true. <laughs> because if you've ever had a a bad Baijiu experience. If you ever smell Baijiu again, you are immediately transported back to every bad experience you've ever had. Start getting the mouth sweats like you're going to throw up and you're like, oh, God. And the worst thing is when you drink it and you have like a big Baijiu night, the next day you're just burping up Baijiu the whole time. So then you're tasting it again. The trauma just continues. Um, So we drank some of that and especially because – we took at that time we took advantage of the fact that like just no open container laws in China. Oh, so you're just doing it. It's like we're literally like chugging Baijiu in a taxi on the way to the bar. Like it's Damn. It, so yeah, crazy drinking stuff, drinking stuff there. Did you get in any trouble when you were on your uh semester abroad? No. Cuz there's I, a, I know there's a big drinking really culture in Korea and Japan. I didn't know if it was big in China as well. Yeah, so it is, but it's weird cuz a lot of the big drinking stuff in China happens like in business meetings. Yeah. So it's like if, if you look at young, like a lot of young Chinese people, 
usually they don't really drink that much. It's kind of like the middle-aged businessmen okay. that are like the huge binge It's drinkers. almost like that's reserved for them. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's not how business is done. And like, yeah. But like you don't – it's a little bit different because like in America, most people, the amount they drink peaks some point 20 to 25. Yeah. That's usually when people hit their peak in terms of how much mm-hmm. they drink. Whereas in China, to me, it seemed like – most men, if they end up drinking a lot, it's like in their forties. Oh, okay, like when they're that's doing really business, interesting. They're doing actually. business stuff because, yeah. like, you go to these business dinners. I remember there was this one dinner where I, I was flying in from Shanghai because of my flight schedule, or whatever. I hadn't eaten in like ten hours. Is and, this when you're working, or is this? Yeah, yeah this is when I was working okay, for the okay. NBA. But I go straight to like a dinner with this like real estate developer. Yeah, out in like West China, and. From the jump, it's just buy Joe shots. And and it's food. It's a dinner. But I haven't eaten all day. So I'm basically like I'm trying to scarf down food to Whatever absorb all the yeah. shots that they're giving me. And I'm trying to figure out ways. There was like a soup. I was trying to figure out ways to like discreetly like pour the bite. You can't the bite Joe back it. into yeah, the yeah. soup. It's disrespectful. You can't yeah. not drink it. So you like all these creative ways to, to not disrespect them. But oh, man, I – and I just remember the, the next day we're going to like meetings and stuff or at this event with all these people that are just like, oh, my God, that was. I think I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, this was so much fun. Yeah. I'm I have really... to have you back on. We, we barely touched the China stuff. I know. But the, I mean, it's it, it, what happens. You, you go you go where the podcast takes you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, plug everything one more time. At ben, uh, You said at Ben Frank Comedy? Yep. At Ben Frank Comedy. So. All social media. That's all of it. Yeah, Twitter, I guess, Instagram. Yeah, everything. I guess my TikTok is technically Ben Frank comedian, but uh, I suck at that. So yeah, you don't I don't. Need, yeah, yeah. Focus, focus, focus on the Instagram where I, uh, where I'm, where I'm, I'm really thriving with my two thousand followers. There you go. Hey, yeah. more than me. Hey. <laughs> um, at, thank you everybody so much for listening. At Brennan T Comedy on all social media. BrennanTComedy.com. One man show is going to be released in about a month and a half. Finishing the edit on that, so keep your eyes open and subscribe on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Brennan Tassif. We'll talk to y'all next week.